0: This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sorrento's editor-in-chief and host here on the Chicago Podcast Network, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy, AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the people. (laughs) Hey, people. All right, folks, well, we're going to be doing our show today a little bit different. It'll be the first show in a few months that we don't uh, really address anything specifically having to do with uh, Jackass Von Harapies, or as you know him, President-elect Donald Trump. And uh, today's show, we're going to hit a couple different stories. Want to get to some things that have been going on out there in the media and everything, and uh, a couple of things later on. But first, we wanted to start because there's a story that's out there that's being I wouldn't say hidden, but it's definitely not being covered by the major networks. Uh, A lot of people are starting to suspect that it's because of sponsorship deals having to do with oil companies. But you're not really seeing the coverage of the North Dakota uh, uh, pipeline protest uh, anywhere really... Uh, at the coverage it deserves. There are 5,000 people there right now. On the night before Thanksgiving, they were sprayed with water hoses as temperatures dropped below freezing. Uh, They have some legitimate concerns about environmental issues. Uh, This also has to do with America's great shame, which is uh, treatment of Native Americans by our government. And it's an interesting topic to get into, so I think I'll right now turn it over to, as The Daily Show likes to put it, our senior agitating correspondent, uh, my good buddy AJ, AJ, where, where are you at with this whole thing?
1: Um, well, as if people haven't noticed, uh, you know, I'm sh- supporting those at <clears throat> Standing Rock at the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation there in North Dakota, just south of Bismarck. Um, uh, and it's a very, it's, it's very interesting because for those who are not informed about what's really going on, um, it's not just people who are just going to North Dakota for a good old time because it's North Dakota. It's such a party state to begin
0: with, right? I was going right. to say, huge tourist so, destination. I
1: was going say, uh, <laughs> um, with, uh, the reason why people are at Standing Rock is simply this. The proposed pipeline was supposed to go north of the city of Bismarck, but the city council of and residents of Bismarck didn't want the pipeline there because it would actually um, cut into the the water line for the city of Bismarck. So they said no pipeline. So what the what the pipeline company suggested is to go south of the city, which that is essentially going through. Uh, um, the Standing Rock Reservation and everything So it would actually cut Right there at the Missouri, the north branch Of the Missouri River uh, Through sacred Sioux land um, There's Standing Rock Reservation Which exists And next to Standing Rock Is a treaty um, The Treaty of Fort Laramie Which is sacred Sioux land as well So that pipeline is actually Going through tribal land and that's where the contention lies, because even though that is tribal land under the auspices of the U.S. government, um, they just feel that you know, just because it's you know our land now, the U.S. government's land, they can just put a pipeline there. And that's where the contention lies. You have nearly almost every um, tribal in the United States, as well as Canada, are at Standing Rock. This is the first time probably since Columbus was around that this many Native Americans and indigenous people of the United States are there. You're having you know, environmental activists, Native American activists, you're having veterans who are standing up for Standing Rock, um, you name it this is probably one of the largest um, demonstrations um, outside of things that I have experienced. And I've been to Madison takeover um, in Madison, Wisconsin. You know, I've been involved with Occupy uh, early on, you know, the battle in Seattle in um, 99. This is probably like one of the largest ones because this hits a lot of issues of environmental issues, indigenous people issues um just you know go, the government taking on the government um so Corporate greed. Rock is highly important that we all need to be paying attention to this but we're not because this all has to do with oil and money and how dare we talk about oil and money on the airwaves through mainstream media
0: all right there are a few things i want to hit on this issue number one and it's it it starts with this Th- throughout history there are supposedly lessons learned as time goes on. And apparently in a one do punch, the United States of America has decided to ignore all historical evidence and elect a, a demigod. God damn it. He still got into this podcast and go back to the time period where we're just going to kind of, as a government eh, screw the native Americans, we're going to do what we want to do. It's our land. Now, anyway, manifest destiny, go white people. There's that. There's also the simple fact that we are now dealing with a a world that has seen, in the last 10 years, uh, Deepwater Horizon. There was the oil refinery in Anchorage, Alaska. You had the situation in Flint, Michigan. And all of these other environmental issues, not to mention the, 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 uh, the one that they mentioned, which was the train... Uh, derailment in Ottawa. The lack mangan- man- magnetic. I can't say what it is because it's French Canadian and those people are horrible. Um, This, I thought you'd like that. No, there's no reason to never not take a shot at the French Canadians. They're they're bad people.
1: let's see.
0: Yeah. See, that's the thing. Is it's pig French. Even the French don't respect it because it's not real French. It's French. It's polite French, which is not a thing. Um. But I want look, this is all part of it. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest issue with this pipeline is when you're having an argument about water, let's say, and moving water from one area to another and you're building a pipeline or you're building a water system. That makes sense because the water is going to go to help people. This oil pipeline does not help anybody except the companies involved, which is why Everyone is fighting against it, I think, because there's no benefit to the average people of this pipeline being built. And the argument of, well, we're making it safer because we don't want to run stuff over rail. Yeah, because we trust corporations to do what's safe and not to do what's going to make them money. Because the minute this, by the way, for those of you who don't know, AJ mentioned that he, you know, it's for the pipeline company. It is technically for energy traders distributors, is the name of the corporation that owns the pipeline, which is a subsidiary of a subsidiary of a subsidiary of something else. And the reason that there are that many lines in between that and the actual people with money is if there is an environmental catastrophe, if something actually does go wrong, they can use those layers of corporate protection to abdicate all responsibility so that they're not on the hook for anything. That's why Deepwater Horizon was such a big deal, not just because of the environmental impact of the Gulf of Mexico, because it taught corporations, especially the larger ones, to not own their own stuff. And so you started getting into limited liability partnerships, which allow people to offset the the financial responsibility to what's going to happen. So now you have a company that has literally positioned itself to go, well, no, we're trying to do this safer, but they're not really, they don't give a shit because all they care about is getting their money to, of all places, southern Illinois, which only degenerates and weirdos live in western and southern Illinois.
1: Hey, no, hey, no.
0: Just saying. Um, it's, 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 It's nuts. And these people are standing out there and they're going to have to try to suffer through an outdoor winter to stop literally an evil corporation from doing evil things. And just the idea that people are, are, are on the side of this company, knowing what we know boggles my mind. And, you know, I'm looking into the, you're looking into some of this stuff. And, and you're trying to figure out where exactly the governor fits in, where the sheriff fits in, where all these protesters fit in. Uh, I will say this, by the way. You mentioned that it was the, lar- the largest gathering of tribal people since Columbus. That is not true. There's actually the um, Indian Revolution uh, underneath Sitting Bull. And, um, oh, what the hell. Uh, I don't remember the other name. Well, there's,
1: well I mean, there's that. I mean,
0: there's been other... Notable
1: history in Native American history that a large gathering of right. indigenous people have gathered.
0: If you go back and look at American history and its treatment of Native American land and people, it is so abhorrent that it borders on the line of the Holocaust, and, and in some cases probably goes past it. Uh, most notably, of course, is a former uh, former now very dead President Andrew Jackson, who made his name fighting Native Americans throughout what would eventually be the Louisiana Purchase, which is now North Dakota, South Dakota, all Louisiana, Missouri, all that. You look at it and you just go, have we not learned this lesson yet? That this is just fundamentally wrong? That we have violated every treaty we have signed with the Native Americans, every single one, and here we are, not only, we're literally reviolating a treaty we already violated.
1: Like, what... Well, you know what makes it more interesting for me and this whole debacle? This whole thing is not far from the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which is in the Dakotas. Okay. So the office is like right there, and that office is not doing a damn thing of working with Indian Affairs.
0: Do you happen to know off the top of your head uh, how much authority they have in a situation like this? Or are you just saying... I mean, that's why...
1: the Bureau of Indian Affairs, their job is to make relations with
0: Native Americans.
1: You know, I mean, that's why it was created. Um, but they stuck it out there in the, the Dakotas, not in D.C. It's just out there, and I think it's either north, if not south, Dakota. But regardless, I mean, this the whole um, be- that bureaucratic agency it was to be created. So, if, if situations like this or anything else occurs, then. They're the ones who have to have negotiations with, as well as you know, be that liaison between the U.S. government as, as well as said um, reservation or reservations.
0: I, I, I'm curious in a situation like this, if you are. One of the members of the Sioux Nation, and there are, for the record, there are many tribes who are out there fighting this. Uh, the Sioux Nation just happens to be the most recognizable name that is currently out there, but there are members from, I think they said up to 40 different tribes who are there. Yes. Um, I just, if you, if you haven't had the chance, ladies and gentlemen, because they didn't really show it on CNN, they haven't shown it on the local news. A part of that is because of trump another part of it is just because they're not covering this and a lot of people are saying that it's 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 because of sponsorship deals i don't know we have no way of proving that it just feels weird but there are stories of again the one that gets me the most is the is the water hoses before nighttime on the evening before on, on thanksgiving eve basically to force these people to basically freeze as much as they could they've you know tried to shut down supplies there's apparently now a one thousand dollar fine for anybody trying to bring food and supplies to these people it's 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 just getting to the point where you 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 wonder you know we're gonna get to this a little bit later but uh trevor noah on the daily show had a great point where he said you know what is the right way to protest people are constantly saying this is the wrong way to do it this is the wrong way to do it this is the wrong way to do it somebody please tell me what the right way to do it is then when you are afraid that a corporation is going to destroy your drinking water. And if you don't think that that's a legitimate fear, you're out of your mind because you can just look around the country, look around the world as to what is happening with these kinds of scenarios and realize that once something goes bad, the only people who truly suffer is not the company, it's not the employees of the company, it's the people who live in the area that they destroy. And that is a legit... I know. Go ahead. I know that answer. Go right. ahead.
1: That answer is, you need to
0: consent
1: to the very institutions that are controlling the situation. That's the answer
0: of how you protest correctly, according to them.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Well, I always remember that in two thousand and ten, uh, or 2010, 2007, when you started hearing about uh, it wasn't even oh seven. I guess it would have been 03 or oh four when you started hearing about protest zones at Bush rallies. Yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 they've changed the way that you that they do this stuff. And it's it's upsetting. It's upsetting because of the violence that's being used against them because of the rhetoric from government officials uh from some of these conservative websites, but even they even I got to be honest, even InfoWars, who you know that I hate, has kind of been on the side of the protesters on this because it's almost impossible not to be. You 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 have to understand with a small amount of understanding of United States history and I don't know, empathy and general decency, you're able to put yourself in the shoes of these people and understand why they are so afraid of this happening. And what I think needs to happen, AJ, is I think that all of us, you and I, everyone listening and all of your friends and family, really need to drive home that this is a big deal. And, you know, there's a lot of and you and I have talked about this on the show, that there's what we call Facebook protesting and it's it's this idea that you know somebody s- clicks like or or supports something and shares something and they feel that they've helped out and yeah there's there's a truth to the idea that you're minimizing and you're not really accomplishing much but i will say this if a story crops up on your line on your timeline and your on your twitter feed on your instagram snapchat and i don't know i'm assuming these seven other forms of social media that have spawned since we started recording the show 15 minutes ago Share it. Let people know. This is one of those things where you're not going to get it. I mean, I'm bringing up, talk about it in the last hour. I've got one story from CNN. I got one from the Minneapolis Star Tribune and another from ABC 7 News. Other than that, you're not seeing a lot of coverage for this, and it's getting, it's going to get bad for these people. If they don't leave by the 5th, there's the possibility of a forcible removal or that they're going to have to try to stay there for the entire winter. And, folks, we hate winter here in Chicago and Illinois. Uh, I've never experienced it. But I imagine that a North Dakota winter with nothing but flat lands on all sides, and not flat like Illinois, where it's like there are some hills and some trees. I mean, flat, you're going to be screwed. And these people are going to be out there, in the I think the estimates have it at negative 13 degree uh, nights and stuff like that. It, it, it's going to be horrible, but... I I hope these people accomplish what they're trying to do, which is to either get them to... to, The problem with this also, AJ, is they're not going to shut down the pipe. They've built 83% of the pipe. So it's this final 17% that runs through this area that they need to get built. And they're fighting it because it'll be incredibly expensive. Shocking. It'll cost them money to reroute it. And this thing is going to get built. I just hope it doesn't get built near anybody's fucking water supply because the last thing we need is another Flint, Michigan. Or you know any school in Chicago that has lead in its water fountains? I, it's just the story makes me mad because it just it, it ignores it ignores American history, and I and I cannot abide that. It it, it just really pisses me off.
1: Well, I'm, I'm sure you know the um, the activists are on the ground there. I'm sure that part of their tactic. Is you know to now make a stand, and that is a symbolic stand at Standing Rock, right there. But really trying to force either the state of North Dakota or the U.S. government to actually remove Native Americans from their land, and I'm sure that is in their arsenal to do that. Because then I will guarantee you, if that happens that the next headline is going to be Indians removed from the reservation, and that's all we need is another removal huh. of Native Americans, you know? Yeah. Because if that brick is brought up, then we got to talk about the removal act, you know, that I believe Jackson created and a few other um, Indian removal acts that have happened as well in the United States. And that's going to be brought back up, and the circular history is going to be you know, be rehashed, you know, because that's all we do. Because we already started moving, you know, Native Americans to, like, areas like Dakotas, Oklahoma, um, further southwest and everything, and to remove them again because of, you know, this this capitalist idea of putting a pipeline through sacred land is going to be atrocious, and... And if if this doesn't become a bigger thing starting in the new year, then it's, I'm going to be very disappointed.
0: And then again, the worst part about it is that it's all about greed. I mean, there's no benefit to this except to some companies. That's the part that's the most offensive right. about it. And, 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 and they try to sell it like, oh, well, we're doing, you know, for energy, whatever. It's, look, fossil fuel, if you have a brain on your shoulder, is a dying industry. It's a dying way of doing things um yeah here in america we keep fighting for it because we're an incredibly stupid country about this stuff but realistically you're, you're talking about something that maybe has a 10-year benefit that could destroy an entire ecosystem and they don't seem to care and god bless those people who are out there stay warm uh we're gonna hear you know we're gonna try to send you a couple care packages um from the chicago podcast network just to let you know that you're that we at least care uh that's about all we got to say about that. Unless, is there anything else you want to add about that, AJ, before we move on?
1: No, I mean, like I said, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a huge issue. And, you know, and, and I've said it in various capacities that I've been involved in that this is what is considered an intersectional issue. In other words, we cannot talk about Standing Rock without indigenous people rights, um, labor rights, you know, uh, you know, capitalism, uh, environmental issues, you know, everything intersects with one another. This is not just a standalone issue. There's multiple issues that are at stake and every single one of them needs to be addressed. This is not just, you know, a whole bunch of people coming together as if this is Coachella. This is actually an intersectional issue that needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah. And it gets back to something you and I have talked about many, many times, which is there are no easy answers. Shit is complicated, and that's okay, but understand that shit is not always uh, black and white and easy to figure out. Speaking of... Exactly. And time for my, you know, very smooth segue from the historic destruction of the Native Americans by the United States government to the future of the United States. An interesting article popped up on Politico that I asked you to read, and I wanted to get into it a little bit on today's show. It's called America, This is Your Future. It appeared on Politico. It was written by Dana Goldstein, uh, very nice woman who I actually had a chance to chat with on Facebook for a couple minutes. Uh, seemed very polite, very nice. Uh, I asked her to come on the show. She said that she's unfortunately not able to do so, but she was very happy that somebody was going to talk about this. And... What this article is about is basic summation is it, it takes away the politics and it literally looks only at the demographics of what the population of the United States will be like in roughly 30 years. By the time we hit 2050 on the United States census, what will be happening and what they do, which what they, what she does, which is outstanding is she picks three locations in the United States to give you an idea of what the. America is going to be like and the part that I found most fascinating AJ was the opening section about Houston, Texas Because this was a place that was a conservative hotbed for Most of our lives and in the last 10 years has really started to shift into a more democratic leaning county in Texas And the reason is because of raising um, Latino population numbers and also uh, a booming uh, energy market that they happen to have down there that is providing a lot of jobs for people in a lot of different uh... a lot of different industries you know we're we're developing more into a service economy anyway so any place that you've got people with money there are going to be a massive boom as far as i t workers restaurant workers and hospitality services stuff like that but this article is really good again dana goldstein in politico and i want to break down just a couple things that i highlighted before we really start talking about it it says that by 2050, it will be a much browner and more polygot than the America of 2016, and it will be a much older. Though those two trends will pose major policy changes, they're also interlinked. As the country ages, it will depend on the productivity of a shrinking number of young people to support its retired elderly population. Uh, as of right now, there are 33 working adults for every American who is 85 and over by 2050, that ratio will fall to 13 workers per, per Americans who are over 85. So right now, if you've got somebody who's over 85 and you are paying and they're getting Social Security benefits, 33 people have to work to keep up the amount that they need for somebody of that age. Whereas by 2050, that will be 13. They this article gets into the changing demographics of a lot of southern states. It gets into a lot of different uh, issues. What's interesting is it breaks down illegal immigration a lot, and it talks about how in, uh, the laws that are supposed to depress uh, legal immigration have had no significant real-world effect. And obviously, people who are breaking the law, just because you make a law doesn't mean they stop uh, disobeying it. But the part that I really like, AJ, and the part that I want to talk to you about is that by 2050, 30 years from now, The swing states of the future will be Oklahoma, Georgia, and Texas rather than Ohio or Pennsylvania, which by 2050 will still be a majority white state. However, the three that I mentioned previously, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Texas, will have a population that is going to be a mixture of Latino, African-American, and white American. And I find that idea truly fascinating. We've had this conversation in, in American politics, Turn Texas Blue. And it looks like just based on population growth, that is going to happen. When you were going through this, is there anything that stuck out to you you found really fascinating?
1: Um, not so much. I mean, the information that was presented is information that I have, you know, have read over the years. I mean, I, I still remember one of my cultural studies classes I took. And we talked about not 2050, but 2030 where you know uh, the white category for for um, demographic purposes would be the minority and the latino population would be increasing so the the white population might be the minority in that case by 2030 um, so that trend is still like on the rise and everything i did find it interesting that they said that texas and oklahoma um would be swing states. I mean, we can kind of see that a little bit now that Texas may be that swing state, um, maybe not in the next presidential cycle, but maybe, you know, eight years out, possibly. Um, Oklahoma, um, I, I feel it's going to be a, a harder nut to crack, quite honestly, unless, you know, the the migration movement of people going into Oklahoma and, you know, people actually transplanting themselves in Oklahoma and actually taking control of Oklahoma government that are a little bit more liberal than I can probably see that. Other than that, I really can't because you were still talking hard Christian conservative country down there in Oklahoma and everything. Um, Some of the things like they were talking about like Detroit with its, um, you know, what's called Bangalore town down there in Detroit, I believe. Um, and a few other places. I mean, I've seen some of those areas myself, like in Chicago, Rockford, Illinois, um, parts of Springfield, Illinois, you see a lot in East, um, East Peoria, even my town of Sterling, which is 40% Hispanic. Um,
0: really? So I didn't know that. We,
1: we, we, what?
0: That your town was 40, 40% Hispanic. I did not know that.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I live in the west part of town, so I mean, I'm, I, I grew up with a lot of Mexican families and everything. Um, and the way, reason why Sterling is forty percent Mexican is categorized as Mexican right now. Uh, we have a steel mill, and the the founders of the steel mill actually went to Mexico and brought them up, and only to have them work in the furnace because in the furnace department, because his logic at the time was, you know, oh, if the Mexicans can handle the heat in Mexico, they can handle the heat in the furnace. And what he then did was bring these um train cars and then put silver signing oh, can't, on can't, them.
0: Wait, can you stop for a second? Just stop for a second. Home. Just stop for a second. Just stop. Let me get this straight. The owner of a steel mill decided that Mexicans can yeah. handle the furnace and wanted to put them on trains.
1: Well, they're, they're train cars, so he, he converts those train cars into, like, homes.
0: Right. Because that's...
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, I'm not saying that the guy who ran the steel mill w- was taking lessons from, let's call it, 1930s German Logistics Division. But it sounds like he took <laughs> lessons from the 1930s Germans Logistics Division. Yeah, we will put them in a furnace and we'll have some trains take them there. That sounds... That sounds good. That's how you want to develop that. Jesus Christ. Really? In that, in
1: that area, in that area where the train cars with silver sidings on them um was called Silver City. And um 5 years ago, almost 6 years ago now, uh a friend of mine um did some research on Silver City um to really highlight and bring up the narratives of families who live there. Because they were the Silver City was right next to the factory and there are actual people who were born in Silver City. So they have birth certificates that say Silver City, Illinois, which was like this little small municipality almost, a village within the town of Sterling. Um, and that's why we have, you know, a large Hispanic population. It's not just Mexicans now. Um, we have some from like, El Salvador and Guatemala, um, Costa Rica, Nicaragua and Colombia and Venezuela. So um, it, it's large in everything, and they still are the minority in Sterling and everything. In, it, it, culturally, even artistically, to give you an example, the city of Sterling <clears throat> um, commissioned a muralist to talk about the history of Sterling on murals on big business walls and everything they left out the history of how the hispanic community came into sterling the hispanic community commissioned their own artist nice to paint their own mural and show the evolving history of how they got there to where they're at now
0: good good for them Damn right. So,
1: it's like, it was like this thing, it's like, so what about the west side of town? It's like, well, we need to talk about the founder, the first airplane that flew over Sterling, Mineral Springs, blah, 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 but we're going to leave out this thing because they're here. Why do we need to talk about it? Um, so, even this microcosm that's in Sterling, um, you can very much see like things are going on in Texas because... Whiteside County, where Sterling's at, is a conservative county with certain liberal tendencies in the city of Sterling. And when you talk about, like, immigration issues, especially undocumented workers, um, and everything else, you start seeing a little bit more leading more to the blue than you do the red, just like in Texas. You start seeing that a lot, like in Houston, parts of Dallas-Fort Worth, um, <clears throat> more so in Austin, more so in San Antonio that you don't start seeing more um, Democrat-leaning voters and talking about issues that are more liberal-leaning than you do on the right. But still, you need to flush out the Christian right, this conservatist ideology, so forth and so forth, in order to make Oklahoma, Georgia, and Texas uh, more swing states and everything and that's why colorado is more of a swing state because they over the last decade have more um, immigration issues and everything else especially in the resorts and and everything else Um, that's why colorado has always been that swing state Um, not just on immigration issues but other issues but if you look at colorado texas is also facing those same issues even on a demographic level.
0: Yeah, but there's, a, there's an argument made, if you're talking about changing demographics of, like, Colorado, uh, they, the actual legalization of marijuana led to a massive influx of younger people somewhere in the neighborhood of, I believe, 8,000 uh, people under the age of 40 moved to Colorado in the last five years because, right. because of that industry, and a majority of them were suburban whites from Democratic states, but uh, Draw obviously drawn to the stickiest of the icky and that is a is is also an interesting aspect of this because they talk about you know certain areas with high job placement being able to attract some of these people but one of the the things in this article that and you mentioned it briefly was the town of uh Ham I don't know it's from Michigan so who gives a shit we're from Chicago here uh but it's the first city council in the country with a majority Muslim uh city council, which is mind boggling to me that that existed and it hasn't been made a bigger deal of uh in some places apparently obviously once that happened uh certain conservatives in the area started to worry about the possibility of the implementation of Sharia law because you know they don't no one ever took a civics class in their life. understand how that shit works but there was, according to this article, you know, there, t- this is a quote. Ten years ago, there was a lot of vacant land. If you go up there today, there is zero vacant property, and the home value has gone up by nearly double. There's a lot of traffic, restaurants, stores, and small industry. Gardening projects, a music school. This is a destination community created on the theme of South South Asian hospitality. Uh, cultural change creates tension. The majority of Muslim city attacked its Spurious accusations of instituting Sharia law. Uh, Takbin, who is a person being interviewed for this article, recalled a homicide investigation 10 years ago in which local police believed a Bangladeshi female witness. Witnesses were not being truthful. The longtime police chief was telling me that these women were always lying to him, that they were not looking him in the eye, at which point he had to explain, well, these women are taught not to look people in the eye in order to be modest. It's a cultural shift. There's a cultural, I guess, clash happening there in some instances, but I was really... I took, honestly, the reason I wanted to talk about this article is it gave me, as a man who seeks seeks hope, this article gave me hope. It, it, the election of Donald Trump, and again, son of a bitch, it gets into this podcast, really pissed me off. And it it wasn't so much the Republican policies that'll be implemented, because I hate them, but whatever, it's American politics. It was the racism. It was the rhetoric that he used. And that it appealed to so many, as they put it, uneducated white people, which I hate that phrase. It just it appealed to people who felt scared about the fact that they don't know how to deal with the changing world. And I, what I liked about this article is it basically said, yeah, you can fight this all you want. And you can maybe even get eight years of Trump. But this, this article, again, you know, I want to make sure I get the title right, America, This Is Your Future, was like, look, you can fight this all you want, But you're going to get dragged kicking and streaming into a multicultural America, whether you like it or not, because even in places like North Carolina, which is also referenced in the article, uh, they talk about how they had a massive influx of of a Latino population in some small towns there uh, due to industry. And that it lowered the amount of people who fight against illegal immigration there because, or who take such a hardline stance because, and this is just fact, the more you interact with somebody of a dis- different ethnicity or race, you become more open to, to those people, right? It's the conversation you and I had back in October when they were having all this conversation, I guess even longer than that, it was back in... June or July, when that stupid bathroom bill took place in North Carolina, where we were, you and know, I were both just sitting there fighting, going not with each other, but with the world, going, "Look, this is a stupid issue because this has been happening all the time." And then somebody pointed out to me, and and I've been saying this, yeah, but imagine you're eighty, you live in a small town in North Carolina, and suddenly you hear on the news that there's going to be transgendered people in your bathroom, and you've never really thought about that before, and for everyone to say, "Well, you're being." racist or you're discriminating against these people and it's like look i understand because i live where i live that a transgendered person there's nothing fundamentally wrong with them but can we not acknowledge sometimes that it's a little weird and that that's okay to be weirded out by stuff that you are not confronted with on a daily basis the fact that you you But once you're exposed to it, once you're around it and you realize that people are people and that the choices they make in some instances aren't choices, that a person who is transgendered, it's not a choice. The the, the greatest line of all time, Chris Rock, you know, is is I am a rich black man and there is not a white person in this theater who would trade places with me. You know, that, that kind of thought process. I mean, go, look, if if a person who is transgendered had the choice to just be a straight, normal, I don't want to use the term normal, that's dismissive, a a straight, white person, they would do it, because it is the easiest way to live in the United States of America. And exposure to people of different races, people of different beliefs is a good thing. It strengthens your own beliefs, and it strengthens your ability to empathize with other people is, I guess, the point that I'm trying to make. Again, the article is uh, America, This Is Your Future. It was in political. written by Dana Goldstein. And it was an outstanding uh, piece of writing, and I really, really enjoyed it. Props to you, Ms. Goldstein. Uh, anything else you want to get to on that, AJ, or should we move on to the story that you've been waiting for?
1: Well, I mean, before I get to that, I mean, I just want to know that I, 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 I've always told people to really... Look at demographics, you know <clears throat> this this idea of you know fact checking issues um, you people really need to go to you know websites or look at articles Things that well deal mentioned. with the demographics moment? because the the demographers who come up with this information <clears throat> uh you know they're doing quantitative data you know. So they have to come from a scientific um, model approach when it comes to these issues to a degree and they're actually providing as much as the hard facts as they can come up with. Um, You know, the census is great. You know, the census doesn't tell a complete story, but at least it tells, you know, um, a piece of the story that's what's going on right now in the United States. So, um, I've always encouraged people to look at demographics and look at them, and then seeing where those you know numbers come from, you know, because you got to be, you know, a little bit literate when it comes to your information. You know, if, if I take something that says came from the Cato Institute, um, right off the bat, I'm going to say, well, I came from the Cato Institute. Well, I'm going to take this information from a libertarian leaning organization. Or even the Brookings, I'm like, well, you know, if you look at Brookings, they come from a very, you know, liberal, if not Democratic, party leaning and everything. you got to understand where this is coming from. And, you know, this article is really great, and I encourage you to, Nellie, read further what Dana has provided. But, you know, similar articles like this,
0: also, especially out of
1: Politico.
0: Uh, uh, Politico is great. Also, I would recommend, if you're going to... Read this article if you're going to get into this issue. Pay attention to her sources, which generally speaking, from looking through the article and reading it more than once, it seems like it mostly comes from the U.S. Census Bureau, which is about as reliable as you can get for being nonpartisan in the United States. Though I'm sure now that it's it's saying that we're getting browner, I'm assuming that Fox News already has a kill piece ready for O'Reilly tonight talking about how the Census Bureau is actually a liberal bastion of communist hippies who want to destroy America, so... Which obviously they are. I won't doubt. I mean, and obviously they're right. You're gotta be. You're a communist hippie, son of a bitch. You're gonna be the. I never deny that. Listen, after the Muslims and the gays and the gambit of anyone who isn't white, when they start going after white straight people in about 2019, you're gonna go before I am because of your goddamn socialism. I'll at least last until they go after the Democrats. I'm just saying. So, wherever you end up, call me and let me know so I can send you some money to buy me a place.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's think about what you just said there. Call you. I ain't going to call nobody. That's a good point. I'm going to be in Guantanamo or something worse than Guantanamo.
0: Oh, you know, maybe we can go live with George Takei in an internment (laughs) camp. Oh, Oh, yeah.
1: If if he's he's 105 at that point.
0: For the record, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to, if you, if you don't follow him on social media, taking away the fact that I am the world's biggest Star Trek nerd, which I'm far from that, but I'm a huge Star Trek fan. But taking away from that, George Takei, important social media thing with all of this Trump stuff going on. Uh, man lived an amazing life, and he will talk to you about being interned at uh as it's uh Manzanar. He was in, which is the biggest camp. Yeah, and. Uh, his life is truly fascinating, and if you, if you really want to, this is a gay man who lived in the closet for 60 years who also, when he was a child, was taken from his home and locked in basically a concentration camp. We don't call them concentration camps, but that's what they were. So follow yeah. George Decay. Is it time, AJ? Is it time for dessert?
1: Is it really dessert? If it is, it's the the worst dessert I'm going to ever
0: have. It's like when somebody gives you a fruit plate for dessert that it's all melon. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well,
1: it depends on the kind of melon,
0: you know? Honeydew and and cantaloupe. It's not... Mm, Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's okay. I mean, I'll eat this. It's food. And it's relatively tasty, but some pineapple, some strawberries, maybe a little raspberry action up on this dessert plate. That's all I'm saying. Are you ready for your cantaloupe? Yeah. Oh, wow, we made this really unentertaining now. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for your cantaloupe? Perhaps some unripe watermelon will suit you. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, we're gonna play a clip, and then you'll know what we're talking about. This, ladies and gentlemen, is from the Daily Show. This is Tommy LaHearn, who is AJ's favorite person in the media, uh, speaking oh. to the air. We're actually uh, dating. we're actually dating, by the way. Well, you know, you're gonna be Carville to her, uh, whatever. I can't yeah. never remember his wife's name. It's it's we not it, Megan. What? It's, well, it's not Marley Matlin because that's the deaf actress. No,
1: it's not Marley Matlin, no. But it's
0: similar Mary. to. Is it Mary Matlin? That's yeah. it. Wow, figured it out. All right. This is Tommy Leheron on The Daily Show. And we'll talk about this when we come back from the clip.
2: For somebody who is not racist, you have to spend a lot of time saying, I'm not racist. <laughs> uh, what is your biggest issue with Black Lives Matter?
3: I think, and I've said this many times, it started with good intentions. I think it was, it was well-intentioned. The moment that they started pushing hands up, don't shoot, which is a false narrative, proven time and time again to be a false narrative, the minute that that became their slogan, the minute that protesting turned into rioting and looting and burning and militant actions, that's when I lost respect for Black Lives Matter.
2: Okay, but now here's my thing. Let's address each of these things one by one. When you go protesting, turning into rioting and looting, that's not a Black Lives Matter phenomenon. That is what happens when there is a protest a lot of the time. There are people who rioted and looted when teams won in Chicago years ago. It doesn't mean that they are now bad people. That's what happens. There are some bad people in every instance. Going back to Black Lives Matter, though, for you to say that, you say they have good intentions, they had the good intentions. How are you labeling out the actions of a few and condemning an entire group? Because I don't understand that. They
3: subscribe to the Black Lives Matter movement. They say we are the Black Lives Matter movement. Fry them like bacon f the police. They're these saying those These are a few people. Things.
2: These are a few people. This is not the Black these Lives are, Matter are... pro- that that is not the platform though.
3: I saw it in my, my city of Dallas. I saw what a Black Lives Matter protest looked like. And I saw five fallen officers because of it. So that's I've not, seen... that's not
2: that's not fair. And that's true. No, that's, no, 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 that's, no, no, no. No, it is fair that's, sir, that's, because that's, that's the not...
3: shooter said Point Blank shooter said he's doing this because of Black Lives Matter.
2: Yes, and there are many things you can say. I mean, if you go outside you can say anything about doing something because of you cannot deny that the man had mental issues as well and he was in a tough place. Just because you say the thing doesn't mean it's what it stands for, right? Because you're the same emboldened? person. You're the same person who argued on your show that just because Donald Trump has supporters from the KKK doesn't mean he's in the KKK. So, he it goes against it, that argument. Say- Goes against no. You can't say he did it because of.
3: No, but he, the shooter, said, I Yes, but am... Black
2: Lives Matter has never said, go out and shoot people. I'm saying, you're saying this to your audience, and I honestly do not understand where you're getting that from, just because a person... What if somebody says, I felt emboldened by Tommy Lahren, and so I went out and I shot black people? Are you now responsible? Is that your one, platform? Forever.
3: It's not one or two people. If you look at it, if you look at it in it? every city, look at the protests that have How gone on. In Baltimore, it? in Ferguson, in New York City, the protests that have now turned to anti-Trump protests. These are not a few people. Okay. This is mass crowds of people. Okay. They're doing it in the name of Michael Brown. They're okay. doing it in the name of Freddie Gray. They're doing it as the front of Black Lives Matter, and the mainstream media is emboldening these
2: people. Okay, so then let's use that same logic that you're using then, and then go, police, are the police racist? Because police, in many cities, you look at Baltimore, you look at what happened in New York, you look at what happened in the case of Walter Scott, you tell me our police racist because they've been shown to harass black people unfairly, they've been shown to shoot black people when they're unarmed. Does that mean the police are racist then? Because that's the same logic you're using.
3: It's really not though, Trevor, because the mainstream media is not emboldening them as a group. It's not. And did you know that a black man is 18.5 times more likely to shoot a police officer than a police officer is to shoot a black man? Those are statistics no one wants to talk about.
2: Yeah, here's the thing. So, so, let me ask you this then. If you say, as you said when you walked out, I'm not as mean as people think I am. I'm not the person that people think I am. Uh, what do you wish people would understand about you that are in another bubble? What do you wish people would understand about you on the other side?
3: I wish that we could disagree with each other without thinking that we are bad people or ill intention. Folks. So, because I criticize a black person or I criticize the Black Lives Matter movement, that doesn't mean that I am anti-black. It does not mean that I don't like black people or that I'm a racist. It means I'm criticizing a movement. I criticize Colin Kaepernick. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in his First Amendment rights. It means that I believe in my First Amendment rights to criticize him. So it. Doesn't-
0: that, ladies and gentlemen, was from The Daily Show on uh, Wednesday night. Tommy Lee being interviewed by Trevor Noah. Uh, AJ, I... We like to do this every now and then. Should I get it out for you? you want me to slam it down? Sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hold on. We got to get... Just give me a second here. Just got to get the desk out. All right, hold on. Just one second. I got to find it. AJ, you know, I, I moved back into the, into the house. You know, normally I do this outside or at the office, and today I'm at home, so I got to find... It. Here it is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you for your audio approval, uh, theater of the mind being what it is. AJ, That was your soapbox. Have at it. I will now back away from the mic.
1: So, for those who don't know who Tommy um, Laheran is, she has a show on the Blaze Network, which is Glenn Breck's show, um, his network and everything. She has a carved time where she has a platform, and she talks about, you know, her... Uh, Christian libertarian views um you know she's a this you know attractive 24 year old blonde and I'm not saying that because of of that nature I'm, I'm presenting that because I've always had problems with people like tomi because there are points that she made where there are spots I can agree with and some of the things that she addressed like riots and protesting that I do understand what she is saying but what she's not conveying is this in protests and in riots we call them insurrections uh, on the left that there are people who feel that there should be like a, a violent element to this um, you see this with uh, certain anarchist groups um, black bloc anarchist groups who feel, you know, um, the structure of property because property is theft. So they will go out and do what they feel is necessary um, demonstrations. They will go out and say these things. Um, there's a, an acronym called AGCAB, ACAB, you know, all cops are bastards. Um, so you'll see this in certain socialist, communist, and anarchist groups that will talk about the police of, you know, how, you know, inherent racists, And, you know, they are the um, apparatus of state and everything. So in that part, she is correct, but she never really talked about it from from that perspective. What I have a problem with her is, you know, at at one point she says, you know, she doesn't see color. Um, She doesn't understand why, you know, Colin Kaepernick is, you know, doing what he's doing especially under a flag that's, you know, that we're supposed to be proud of. Um, We have certain benefits that we, you know, have because of this flag and everything. Um, There's this righteousness about the flag and everything. And here's what really, truly pisses me off about her and people like her. They're just self-serving athletes right out of the gate they only care about themselves they only have shows like this because it's a vanity thing glenn beck left fox news to create the blades to have his own platform for self-serving purposes and bring in people that he feels that subscribes to a certain ideology as well as the kind of religious freedom that he likes to have. And Tommy is one of those people. When I saw the show, when I first heard she was going to be on the show, I got my popcorn ready, and I knew the kind of shit storm was going to be down. I really, truly didn't really feel she was going to say the things that you just heard that Nick played for you to a guy right in front of inches from her who has went through apartheid South Africa? A person whose mother really went through apartheid South Africa.
0: The name a of his book. Who, the name of his book is "Born a Crime." That that I'm just saying. That's the name of his book. Right. Because that's what he was. He was technically illegal. So, per an illegal person.
1: So she had the stones to tell. Even though he's a mixed race, his father's white, she had the stones to tell a young man across from her her views and how she feels to a person whose family and himself has always been in danger of discrimination and prejudice.
0: By the police legal
1: discrimination. And for someone like Tommy, who is so privileged and who has never gotten to see what discrimination looks like, legal discrimination, like in the south side of Chicago, like parts of Detroit, like parts of Houston, like parts of New York City, Los Angeles, Phoenix, Arizona, and everywhere else in the United States, I have seen places, I have talked to many people in the black community And in the Latinx community. I've talked to these people. I've been to these areas. And I say black lives matter because I stand on the side of those communities. And I will call someone a racist if they're not on that side. Because for you to say that, you know... Black Lives Matters had good intentions, but once they said, you know, certain people say no, fuck the pigs, fuck the cops, blah, blah, now they're in the wrong. No, you're in the wrong. You truly do not understand how law enforcement came into play. That, sure, you know, back in New York, during the times, contemporary time, certain modern times that the cops has always been the size of the state. It's always been that apparatus of state. Just look at our legal system now. Just look at the prison that we have right now. And you're telling me the mass incarceration of young black men in Louisiana is more than anywhere else in the United States and part of the international community. Isn't that racist? Then I don't know what the fuck you're talking
0: I I, want to say something here before we, we're coming up on the end of this, and uh, shit, I'm actually, all right, so in all the time I've known you, AJ, I've never actually really talked about this, and I'm going to get, honestly, most of my friends don't know this about me, most of my family don't know this about me, and I'm going to say something now, and if you stuck around for this long into the podcast, thank you, and maybe you'll learn something about me as a host, and it comes down to this. This is what you know. Uh, My name is Nick Sarantos. I'm a large individual. I have been fat my entire life. Uh, And I don't talk about it a lot. I mean, I talk about it in self-deprecating ways. I make jokes. I do all the stuff. I don't even know if I want... All right. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. The reason that you I... You don't ha-
1: feel comfortable saying that you don't have to.
0: No, I, it's fine. I want to get into this because this is important. I want people to understand where this all comes from. Here's the reason why I don't like women like her um and it's not just women like her people like her in general people who speak with a superiority and who who disparage those when i was a kid when i was in third grade my mom always tells this story and i I don't really remember it very much and i think it's because i blocked it out but i was in second and third grade every day when i came home from school i cried every single day uh from being bullied and i don't even think to this day i realize the effect that that has had on me Uh, There are times when I'm in a confrontational situation with somebody and if they use the weight thing, there are going to be two possibilities. One, I am going to get so angry uh, that I will use my size and kick the shit out of somebody or, and this happens more often than I'd like to admit because of how bombastic my personality is, uh, I go into my shell and I I turn into basically a turtle and I don't want to deal with it. And the only reason that I'm mentioning this, and and, and and I'm trying very hard not to get emotional about it because it really does bother me a lot uh, thinking about it as I'm older, and I really try not to think about it very often, is this. Um, I have sabotaged every relationship I have ever been in because of this. Um, I have sabotaged friendships because of this, because of my insecurity. I have my best friend in the world uh, is my friend Laura, and I, I love her to death. She is like a sister to me, though she's not my sister. My sister is my sister. But the thing with her is this. uh, I constantly feel that I have to ask for permission to be somebody's friend. It sounds really weird, but I constantly am afraid that I'm uh, too much around people or that this insecurity that I have inside of me it presents itself in weird ways i'm sure you've seen aspects of it where i apologize for something that i have no reason to apologize for right you've seen me do that yeah okay that's where it comes from it comes from that and the reason i'm mentioning all of this a woman like uh is it Tommy or tommy i I honestly don't is it Tommy?
1: i was i would say
0: Tommy. okay whatever it doesn't matter I, i don't like her very much you were talking about a 24 year old very attractive blonde woman, white from white area, relatively rich at a young age. She has never understood this simple thing that happens to large people, to a lesser extent, to black people, to Latinos, to gays, transsexuals, or um, uh, transgender. Sorry, I'm not trying to be. I'm just it's terms I grew up with these the and any other number of person who is different than white affluent protestant you don't know what it's like i swear to god you don't know what it's like to wake up every day and hate yourself you don't know what that's like and you don't know what it's like to have that become institutionalized by people it barely happens to me because of the the weight okay and there are people who will go, when you say that, they go, we'll lose weight. And you go, first of all, asshole, it's not that easy. There are people who are who, who are designed, their body is like that. But also, fuck you. I should have to change, you know, who I am for you? No. If I want to be healthier, that's my choice. It should have no bearing on how you fucking treat me, you son of a bitch. And... I look at somebody like her who goes, well, Black Lives Matter started with good intentions, but the minute they do this, and then she starts doing the, you know, hands up, don't shoot is a false narrative. Here's what's not a false narrative. People are being shot on the street for being black. And you can sit there and you can, you know, oh, well, so-and-so was breaking the law. A guy was selling loose cigarettes. He got choked to death. A guy had a conversation with a cop and got shot five times. Did he need to pull the trigger five fucking times? Was one shot to the gut not enough? That's the part where it gets into the realm of racism because it's not self-defense. And these people who are out on the street right now marching for Black Lives Matter or marching for Trump, uh, against Trump, who are going to be down there tonight at his tower, as we record this on December 2nd, 2016, they're going to be out in front of Trump Tower tonight because he might be coming to town. And they want to let that fucker know that they are afraid. And why are they afraid? Because when they wake up in the morning, they don't know if they should hate themselves or not. Is there something wrong with me? And then you get angry because you go, no, you motherfucker, there is nothing wrong with me. There is something wrong with you for you even thinking that there's something wrong with me. And then the ra- you can hear it right now in me talking. The rage that it generates in you, the just pure rage comes from fear that maybe they're right. Maybe I am nothing in, the, in this in this. Maybe they are right. Maybe the fact that I am black, or the fact that I am gay, or in my instance, you know, and it's again to a much lesser extent, the fact that you're fat. Or that you have a lazy eye. Or you've got a scar on your face. Or as a friend of mine actually happened to her, she got run over by a boat when she was 12 years old and has scars all down her body. And spent her entire childhood hiding it from people because she was afraid she would get made fun of because one kid did it to her when it was a kid. And every morning when she woke up and looked in the mirror, she got angry because of how she looked. You guys don't know what that's like when you're a 24-year-old blonde bombshell on television who can basically do whatever the fuck she wants and can say these horrible, hateful things. You don't know the effect that that has on people. People talk about Trump as a bully. Yeah, Trump's a bully because a bully makes you feel bad about you being you. And what they don't understand, AJ, and this is my soapbox now apparently, is that The rhetoric that they use is destroying people's lives. And, you know, people say, you know, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt me. Bullshit. I will argue until the day that I die that if you gave me a choice between being made fun of in a room full of people or being beaten with a stick, I will take getting beaten with a stick. And that's why I think people protest like this. That's why I think that they're out there. Yeah, there are legitimate policy concerns. There are legitimate issues. But really, it's this. Donald Trump's election and all this stuff that we're talking about has literally gotten us to the point where the people who are black, the people who are Muslim, because, I mean, I f- fuck, I fucked up and didn't even mention them. People who are Muslim, you know, the idea that there are states now that are going to outlaw the hijab. I believe that's what you call it, the, the head wrap, AJ? I'm sorry, I just want to make sure. The hijab? Yeah, thank you, the hijab. They're going to they're gonna outlaw that and say that you can't wear it because it creates... You know, people, we need to be able to see your face. Horseshit. You're doing it because you're afraid of Muslims and you're making those people afraid and sad about their own thing. And if you do that to somebody long enough, I am telling you as somebody who's been in this scenario, if you do that to people long enough, if you force them to feel bad about who they are inside and on the outside, if you force them into that thing, there are two possibilities they will kill themselves or they will kill you. That is literally because at some point there's nothing left. There's nothing left. And, and I'm telling you right now, if they don't find a way to, to break through this and understand the empathy of it, why is there a Black Lives Matter protest? Because when you watch TV and see a black guy done down on the street, and you're black, it sells to you that your life is meaningless. And no one can well, live like well, that.
1: The one, the, the, the one thing, I don't mean to cut you off, but the one thing you didn't play, and if you did, I didn't hear it, was when Tomy compared... The Black Lives Matter movement to the KKK, right? And that, it, I mean, I wish I wish I would have video recorded my reaction when I heard that because that dumb pissed me off.
0: Yeah, it's because it's. I said
1: before. I said before I was on other shows, like I've confronted Nazis before. I've been in front of a Nazi in Northwest Illinois. And for someone to say the Black Lives Matter movement is equal to the KKK, you don't even know half the shit what a Nazi person talks about or does. Because if you're comparing the the Black Lives Matter movement to the KKK because of certain rhetoric, because of certain actions that they're taking and everything, um... Black Lives Matter movement is not lynching people. The Black Lives Matter is not having, like, you know, certain armbands and having regalia to, you know, so a symbolic nature of who they are and everything. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't have a, a cult of personality like the Nazis do and everything. You know, the Black Lives Matter movement is a somewhat decentralized, mostly autonomous organization that was founded by these young, black, strong women who are also lesbian, if not bi, if not trans, that started this.
0: Do you mind if I cut you you off? Let me me also say this. Because the stuff that you're saying is accurate, but it comes down to something even simpler to understand. The Ku Klux Klan believes that whites are superior to blacks. Right. Black Lives Matter is simply trying to say, we are equal with you, please stop killing us in the street. And if you can't understand the fundamental difference between those two arguments where one is trying to catch up and the other is saying, no, we are better. If you can't understand that difference, then please get the fuck off of my television. End of, end end of soapbox. AJ, we've been going for over an hour, man. Uh, We can come back to this next week if you want. We can probably end up having more Jackass Von Hairpiece things to talk about uh sorry it got personal and real there at the end folks we try to keep things light even though we're dealing with real shit but I, I wanted to say that i've never really said that on the air before so uh that happened yeah thank you for sharing uh well i appreciate it and i gained strength from the sharing that's a star trek reference uh all right aj well i guess it's time for me to do our stuff there that's the theme it's time for us to get out of here aj say goodbye to the people
1: Power to the
0: people. Power to the, power to the people. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Out Front on the Chicago Podcast Network. I'm Nick Serrano. That was AJ Signari. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter, Shytown Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All those wonderful avenues for you to come talk to us. You know, you can now come bully me for being fat and eventually I'll become sad. That's okay. I'll take it. It's it. Guarantee it's not anything compared to what I got when I was a kid. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. Hope to hear from you. Uh, Believe the expression at this moment, AJ, my good buddy, is, uh, yes, uh, I consult. I got the notes. Yeah. We out!